Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. This is episode 15 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom, and I have to make this introduction really brief because Alexander's mom, Nancy, and I talked for quite a while. She is an amazing woman who has been through a lot. She talks about this lonely world of cancer. She also discusses her journey after his death and how she has worked to help other parents in the eight years since he died. I also want to remind you to email me with any stories of hope for this holiday season for that special episode that will be airing on December 19th. Um, I will do the recording of that episode on December 10th. So if you'd like your letter read or if you want to come in person to Starlight Ministries to where I'm recording, it will be at uh, 1 o'clock in Hudsonville at the Starlight Ministries office. So I hope to either see you there or hear a letter from you that I can read. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Nancy, for agreeing to come on the show today. I really appreciate you coming and wanting to share your story and Alexander's story with all of us. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I just want to start out by having you tell us about Alexander. And this is not about what happened to Alexander, but just about Alexander and his personality and kind of who he was as a little baby. All right. So he was um, so he was born July, uh, July, June 29th, 2009. Right away, he was just the happiest baby. He was pleasant. You know, he had his moments, of course, as all babies do, but he was just a happy little fella, mm-hmm. uh, always smiling for us and stuff. And, um, you know, we took him on his first vacation when he was about, I want to say like four months old. We went up to New Hampshire with him and uh, for, for a week, me and my husband, and we just had fun with him. We got some silly pictures with him, you know, got to see the fall foliage with him and stuff. And again, he was just always happy smiling all the time and just we, we have this one video of him actually just a few weeks before he was diagnosed in the bathtub and my my husband's playing with an old bottle of uh, dish soap and squeezing it out at him and he is just laughing his butt off laughing off and laughing and having so much fun with that um with that bottle of soap mm-hmm. um so yeah you know so he wasn't he was babbling you know blah 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 blah, blah but no no words or anything yet and he wasn't walking or crawling or anything yet. He was just starting to stand. Um, and then he stopped. And that was kind of one of our things like, oh, what's going on with that? Mm-hmm. So what what ended up happening then? So he was starting to cry out in pain, it seemed like when he was pooping. So you know, we, we didn't have iPhones then. There's no iPhone yet. But we, we took a video t- of him doing this terrible screaming. And we... Um, took it to the doctor. I put it on the, the iPod and we're like, this isn't normal. And oh yeah, and he'd thrown up once. That was the first time he had ever thrown up. 
So we, we took him off to the doctor. She's like, well, I don't know. It's probably just a cold. Took him back a few days later. And she said, let's go see GI. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, you got to wait for specialists. But they ended up having a cancellation. So we got in much quicker. And he sent us for an upper GI. And now we're at this big hospital. We know nothing. Because this, this is in Boston? This is in Boston, yep. Mm-hmm. So it's at this one hospital called Floating Hospital for Children, which actually was a boat way, way back in oh, the day. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, you have, it's a very interesting story. They, they put the kids on the boat during the day because they thought the fresh air would make them better. And they, apparently it was a party boat at night. Oh, um, okay. That's a very interesting. I like this. Yeah, it's a very interesting history. So, <laughs> yes. and I'm hearing him cry and he had to take barium. Oh. And then we had to wait. Because he was like eight the, months old at the time? He was eight months old mm-hmm. at the time. And so we have to wait. And then we were trying to see neurology because he wasn't standing now and he had just done that. And then, of course, they had emergencies. So very, very long day. And then we get a phone call. They're like, oh, here, talk to the doctor on the phone. He said, well, we think it could be this intestinal malrotation, but I'm not really sure. And I want an ultrasound, but it's really late now. So just we'll, we'll book it on Monday. So we're at home that weekend and my husband's at work. So I was at my mom's a lot. And then he had said, if he throws up again, though, come back in. Right. So Monday morning, my, my husband had, didn't do his overnight shift. He froze up in the morning and I said, we're going back to the hospital. So we go to the ER, we get in the hospital and they run some tests. They do the ultrasound and we're just waiting, you know, and the doctor comes back in and says, oh, I'm sorry, we found a mass in Alexander's abdomen mm-hmm. and oncology has got to come down and talk to you. And at that point, we're like, you know, excuse me, <laughs> what right. now? Right. You know, so I call my, on the radar at all. That was not on our radar at all. No. And, um, they come in and they, the oncologist comes in and says, okay, so we're not really sure exactly yet what this could be. It could be this neuroblastoma thing, but we need to do some more tests. Mm-hmm. So we go in and I, and I can remember walking in and him being in the bed and just all this commotion. Oh, here's some toys for him. Here's this, here's that. Okay. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's just this whirlwind. And I, I think I went to get a cup of water and someone stops me in the hall and she's like, hi, I'm Priscilla. I'm the, the parent consultant here's a book for you. Oh, no, I'm not going to give you the book yet, but here's some food vouchers and here's some parking vouchers. And hopefully I, we won't have to talk again, but we'll see what happens. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. okay. <laughs> so things moved, you know, fairly quickly, yes. but at the same time, seeming slowly. Oh, no, we need to have uh, an MRI. So we go down to the MRI and we meet this wonderful, wonderful doctor who, is, who would be his anesthesiologist for most of the time. And I see him, they start knocking him out, you know, we kiss him goodbye and we leave the room and my husband breaks down in tears. Yeah. And he's not one to cry. You know, he's not to cry emotionally out loud or anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, late, later I find out that he saw the eye roll. So I understand his eyes roll to the back of his head wow. and thought, oh my God, we're never going to see him again. What's happening? Mm-hmm. You That's know, hard and, to see your husband cry too, isn't it? It, it was very hard because uh-huh. I've never seen that before. Uh-huh. You know, he teared up when we had Alexander and stuff, right. um, but not like this sobbing. I know. This emotional sobbing. I was like, I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. Right. I totally understand that. Uh-huh. You know, so we go back, you know, and we meet with the surgeon and he says, and, and this poor guy, he just said he had flown in from like Texas or something. He's looking tired. I'm thinking, oh my God, is this guy going to be okay in the surgery in the morning? Yeah. We're meeting with. But so we, now we're officially meeting with, he's in his biopsy. We're officially meeting with parent consultant. 
Um, but they they knew it was this neuroblastoma mm -hmm. at that point. And he he was not able to take any of the tumor out when he was doing the biopsy. It was so involved. So they said, okay, we have to wait. Um, oh. And, you know, they kind of came in and gave us a lowdown of this is what the treatment plan is for neuroblastoma. So they worked with the uh, children's oncology group, which sets is a big group. A lot of hospitals are involved in that and kind of sets the standard for what's going to happen with um, neuroblast, this particular kind of, can't, you know, mm -hmm. the, the different protocols. So you, you get X amount of chemo and then you have surgery and then you do this and this and this and um, Alexander. So be, with neuroblastoma, most kids who have it uh, are diagnosed at stage four. Mm -hmm. And because it's just the way it is, they don't find it until it's yeah. stage four. And the, he was stage four, but it wasn't involved in his bones. It was in his bone marrow, but not in his bones. So that was a plus. Mm -hmm. And he was under the age of one. So that was supposed to be a plus because kids that are diagnosed under the age of one traditionally do very well. Mm -hmm. And then he, they have this MMICT gene and he was non-MMICT amplified. And that meant that was a positive thing too. So we're like, okay, great. He's, he's got all the things going for him. Yeah. And it is interesting, I, you know, to hear you tell this, it just goes along with what I've been thinking recently about how the medical community just goes straight for, okay, you have cancer, but we can do this and this and this and this, and this is the cure rate and whatever, whatever. And they don't really give you time in some ways to adjust and even just be sad and sit with the diagnosis a little bit um right come to that reality i think it's a fault that we have and we do need to learn to kind of sit with parents a little bit certainly you want to give them hope but when you jump just on that and you treat it as like a war almost mm -hmm. it does take the emotionality out of it uh, which is I think not really doing families justice. It is. And it's hard because, you know, it's it's one of those things that they, they do have to move quick on a lot of Oh, absolutely. And, There's no, but yet, no reason. It's no like you're it. basically, they're like, hi, so you need to sign these papers saying what we're about to do to your kid might kill him. But mm -hmm. it might cure him too. You know, yeah. like here are the side effects. Yes. You know, we, we used to joke that we'd, we'd had to sign, you know, everything, you know, you need to sign a consent for blood. You need to sign a send it for an x-ray. Oh, the interns are going to look at him. Please sign a consent because they might kill him. You know, we used to joke like that, like, because and we did a lot of bad jokes because when you're in these situations, if, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry Yeah, all the time. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, you know, I kind of have a whack sense of humor and my husband has a wacky sense of humor. So that, that helped us a lot get through things. Yes. Being a nurse, you, you know, all the big scary words, so it helps, but then you know, all the big scary words. Yes. So it's scarier. Yes. And, you know, they come in with gentle hands with, you know, the parents and stuff. Let's not give them too much information. Um, mm -hmm. But in the beginning, they said, the doctor came in and said, you know, we really need to put a feeding tube in um, down the nose because we, we just got to get some nutrition in him. He goes, mm -hmm. and it only, it only hurts for a minute. So I said to him, oh, so you've had one before? And he looked at me <laughs> and was like, um, no. no. And, you know, right then and there, he knew he, he could not mess with the wibbles. There's no BS in us. Just tell it like it is. So yes. we, we got that out the door right away because I was like, um, I, I don't, 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 don't go around the bench. Just tell me how it's going to be. And we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. And I think knowing what to expect is really, really huge in all of this kind of medical stuff. So for parents, Definitely. for kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, cause there's so much to 
oncology and so many things, you know, again, words you have to learn and they give you these books and these materials, but it's still like, it's, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. It is. It is and very overwhelming. When we were first diagnosed, so this particular unit, um, so it was donated by the, it was set up by the Cam Neely Foundation, who's done wonderful things for this particular hospital. And it only had five beds. So it was very small. All the rooms were private. The, room, the whole thing was HEPA filtered so kids could come in and out of their rooms. Mm-hmm. And so when we were there, there was another little girl with neuroblastoma. There was a, a, a young teenager, but he, he was kind of, I think he was trouble because he, he always had a sitter with him. And then I think there was one other mom, one other kid, and he didn't, he was a teenager too. So I was very lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I met the family with the neuroblastoma at once and, um, and, but I didn't really talk to them. So like after that, like any other admissions we would have, um, like I went in and I was like, oh, hi, you know, who are you? What's your kid have? And mm-hmm. this is my name. And let me show you the tricks of this and stuff. Just so parents wouldn't feel so lonely. Yeah. You know, and now I'm, I'm still really good friends with some of those people mm-hmm. um, because of like, that was so important to me that you came up and you talked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a lonely world. It is. You know, because yes. now your friends don't know what to say. And some friends, you know, they, they said to us, don't be um, surprised by who shows up and by who doesn't show up. Yes. And it was so true. Mm-hmm. So true for us. So, you know, he, he was doing pretty good with the treatments and stuff, um, but he had a lot of setbacks. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, you know, they, they give you that list of 100 side effects, but don't worry about 99 and 100 because no one ever gets them. Well, Alexander got them. Mm-hmm. So um, at one point, he was, it was just after his birthday, and he was back in the hospital, um, really sick again. And one of my friends, my cousins, who had been an oncology nurse, she's like, Nancy, I think you need a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And I said to his oncologist, I said, we need a second opinion. He goes, I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, well, you know, and he's like, that's great when you get that. You know, they were, they were so good. They were like, whatever you guys need, we'll, we'll do it. And he's like, I, because he was getting to be at a loss. Like, we yeah. really don't know what. To do. to do now you know so he was listed as intermediate risk at this point this low risk intermediate risk high risk so we met with the other hospital across town and she said yeah like i boston agree children's or boston children's yeah, yep that's what i would guess yeah yeah so we, we went over there and alexander was in the hospital still at this point and she said yep i think you should move up to high risk and because we knew these doctors and there were you know the nurses we were like well we're not going to switch hospitals because you're going to do the same thing mm-hmm. Because it was just treatment. switching from intermediate risk protocol to high risk. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, but what that meant was kind of starting over mm-hmm. with the first phase of chemo again, you know, so again, we just were doing it. And one of the treatments for neuroblastoma is to do an autologous bone marrow transplant, which means they take his bone marrow, his bone marrow out. So we set that up finally. And, you know, he was the, the, cancer wasn't in the bone marrow anymore so we actually did that on our wedding anniversary which is you know you don't see that one in the books too much no huh? you get you know watch your stem stem cells be harvested for your fourth wedding anniversary yes so much fun so so we did that and we continued with our plan and then one of the plans was to have his debulking surgery to try to take some of the cancer out Mm -hmm. and two of our friends kids had surgery the week before and they were in and out in a week uh, one was neuroblastoma one was a kidney cancer and so we're like great alexander will be in and out in the week mm-hmm. and again the, the doctor always said 
his oncologist, Dr. Kelly, always said, Alexander didn't like to read the book. Yeah. And he was in the hospital from November 17th until December 31st. So we spent Thanksgiving and Christmas in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that was rough. Yeah. But, you know, you do, you do your best. And well, I remember Christmas morning, uh, the nurse knocked on my door and said, oh, Nancy, don't, don't order breakfast because there's a family and whose son had died that brought breakfast in for everybody every Christmas. Mm-hmm. They cooked this beautiful breakfast bread because they had spent Christmas in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they know how hard that was. Yeah. So they brought us this beautiful breakfast spread. And, um, and that was the memory of their son. I think his, his name is Mark. So that was so beautiful. And then we finally got out on Christmas. And the plan was to go back into January to have his bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. And so we had a couple good weeks at home. We got to play out in the snow ones. Um, and was doing really well. And then we went back in for the transplant in January. And it was, you know, I want to say it went well. It went as expected. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have any major side effects from it. They had talked with the tumor board at that point. So they met with people yeah, from all over the country mm-hmm. and stuff. I think these people were in Vermont and they said, okay, let's do, we think radiation will probably be the next phase. And one of the tests that they do is a urine test to see some marker or I can't remember now what it is for mm-hmm. for that. And they do, and he was fine, but then it jumped up. So they that's when they kind of decided, okay, we need to do the surgery again. So at that point, we met with our surgeon. He's like, you know, I can't do what Alexander needs. Yeah. I just can't. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not as experienced in what he really needs. And we we tried to talk to a hospital in New York. Um, that's that's Sloan Kettering. That's the big hospital. Mm -hmm. There's a doctor there that says amazing work with neuroblastoma kids, but of course insurance said, no, talk to the people in Boston first. And so we did, and we learned that that doctor had trained with, you know, done a lot of training with this particular doctor. So, So and our surgeon knew, Mm -hmm. yeah, so we felt good about that. And our surgeon knew him. So we felt good about that. And he had almost a whole month at home just a beautiful month at home where he didn't have any admissions. We were only at the clinic a couple times and it was just, we actually didn't take that many pictures that month because in the end we, we counted up 4,000 over 4,000 photos. I think we had of Alexander mm-hmm. and we really didn't have that many in March. You know, we, so we did that. We took him in and they had, you know, had him in a couple days early. So, you know, they took him in for the surgery. I had to put up a stink to take him in because they, I guess they didn't like that as much over there, but I was like, look at, I'm bringing my baby into the OR. Mm-hmm. So I brought him in and I held him while they knocked him out. And we always said prayers beforehand. And I think that was there. One of the nurses said, you know, I, no one's ever done that before. Mm-hmm. Like she'd never heard a, a parent pray for the doctors and the nurses, or at least not pray out loud while they were all there. And, you know, we just sat and we waited, and we waited and we waited some more. And finally at two o'clock in the morning, they brought him back in. Mm-hmm. So it was a 16 hour surgery and he was okay. You know, he was stable. And then about six o'clock the next morning, I heard a lot of commotion and I could see that they were coding him. Yeah. You know, they were doing CPR on him and stuff. And, you know, everything kind of happened fast and that kind of fast, just, but yet That slow. is a horrible feeling. Yep. That's what you know, I, they, that's what I, when I came to, I, I, after the car accident, I came yeah. to, to watch them coding my son. And yeah. there's, there's no feeling like that in the world, especially when you are a medical professional yep. and you have seen that done. And, yeah, and, and that's bad. I mean, and it's definitely bad. not the way it is on TV, you know, no, it is not. It is. So, 
they thought that he might have this abdominal compartment syndrome. So they're like, all right, they're going to open him open back him up. up. And I'm right there. Figure they're going to open him up in the OR. Nope. They, they risk us out of the room and they're gowning up. Mm. And we wait. They have us in a separate room and the doctor comes in and he comes in with a social worker. And of course, I think he's gone at that point because why would you bring a social worker if they're not gone? Yeah. So the surgeon's like, he's, he's still with us. You know, he's still alive. I, you know, we don't know what, what kind of damage maybe it's going to be, but he's, he's with us. So we're waiting a little bit. And at that point we had called our moms and my mom had got there and she sees us waiting. So she thinks he must be gone because we're in the separate room. And, and, you know, and then Richard's mom, my husband's mom comes too, and we go back in the room and we're with him and he crashed again. Yeah. And again, they're coding him. And now we're all watching this and, and they, they got him back, you know, they stabilized him and I'm watching him. And I, I said to the nurse, I said, Oh, shouldn't you cover him up? And she brings up a blanket. And I saw, and my, my nurse mind went, that blanket's not sterile. Why, you know, and my husband's watching the oxygen and I look at the nurse and again, we don't know these nurses. We don't know these doctors. We don't know anyone here. And I said to the nurse, I said, I know you can't see, say anything, but you think there's any hope. And she kind of, kind of shook her head. So I look at my husband and we just kind of agree. And we said to the doctors, we want to stop. Yeah. We want to just hold him. We, we want to stop. Cause he'd been watching the oxygen being so low, you know, like in the forties, the oxygen level. Yeah, yeah. So we, they said, okay. And we said, you know, we asked if you had asked for the chaplain, I think at some point, and we said, we want some bubbles and someone grabbed our camera, asked for a camera. We had a camera. And so they just, you know, unhooked him and we held him mm-hmm. and we prayed with him and cried. And um, the doctor came over and said, you know, he's gone. And we cried some more. <laughs> And we just all took our turns, just holding him and loving him. And, um, you know, going that our moms had a chance to hold him and stuff. And at one point, I remember the social worker asked if she could call anyone for us. So I said, yes, please call Kathy back at the clinic. Okay, I will. And so he's, something happened. He was in the bed. I said, okay. She said, okay, I'm going to have one of the doctors call her. I'm like, I don't care who calls. Just have somebody call. Yeah. So I go back and take a break and go off. And I call Kathy in the clinic to talk to her. And she says, Nancy, how's our boy doing? Oh no. I said, Kathy, he died. And she's like, he died? And I hear another nurse in the background, he died? No one called her. Yeah. And I was, so I hung up from her and I go back in now. Alexander's gone, he's in the bed and I start screaming, where is that social worker? Where is that social worker? She never called and she was off in some meeting or something. And, when I, yeah. they followed up with me later and I wrote that, I said, that social worker, that really upset me. Mm-hmm. And here it is eight years later and I'm still mad at that social work. Mm-hmm. She's lucky I don't remember her face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, so eventually we, we spent our time with him and they asked me if I wanted to give him a bath and I said, no, you know, I didn't need to do that. And, and we left and we left our boy at that hospital. And, you know, we, we had to go home and his oncologist called, you know, his oncologist called me and he's like, um, oh, man, he's like, guys, I'm so sorry. He's like, this just sucks. And I'm like, yep, it does suck. You know, he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry. This is so, this is so, um, whatever, you know, he's like, this is so casual. And I said, um, nope. Yeah. And, And that's it. And, um, you know, when we went and kind of dealt with the rest of our lives and, oh, they asked us about 
you know, before that about an autopsy, we said yes, and please, you know, keep whatever you, you know, study his tumor, do yeah. whatever you need to do, yeah. you know, which is something that a lot of parents, that, that's a hard question I, I've heard through the years now for the doctors to have to ask. And some parents say no, because they know what, you know, why their child died. Sure. And, but it's so helpful to the doctors for research if they can take the tumors and, and study them. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that, that trick, that problem with these doctors, you know, how do you approach a parent to ask that question in their, this most horrible moment of their life, yeah. but yet, you know, they want that, you know, they, they, they need these tumors to, to study because, um, I mean, you know, they say PD speaking as a pediatrician, yeah. no one taught me how to deal with a newly grieving parent at all, yeah. at all. I wrote about this in my blog because I certainly dealt with a lot of cancer patients, actually, yeah. when I was in my training a lot um, and many died. And um, and I, you know, I think back to the one time when I truly allowed myself to feel it a little more and I held the mom and I cried with the mom and I really felt like I was weak and that was the one time I screwed up and I did it wrong because I had known that family for a long time for over mm -hmm. a year she had been in the peds ICU um, she was a heart baby not a not a um, cancer patient but I really thought that was the time I screwed up and did it wrong. Mm -hmm. And now, looking back, that's the only time I did it right. Mm -hmm. The only time. When I showed her how much I cared for her and I was okay just holding her and crying with her. Yep, know? and that and that's what parents need and that's what you know, I mean, I heard from some some of his nurses came to the funeral, even the ultrasound tech, mm -hmm. but did many of his ultrasounds came mm -hmm. to the wake. We saw him, we're like, wow, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I've gone, I haven't, I mean, I've had my patients, I, of course, they're like 90, you know, and it's, it's a lot different, but then, you know, that you, you know, these families, you, you, we do, we get to know them. And I've, I've hugged them after the family member has died. And, mm -hmm. You know, I actually just met, ran into somebody that his mom didn't die under my watch, but you know, I, I saw him and, and just talked to him about that and stuff. But um, well, and I think nurses are better at that than doctors are for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, because they're the ones that you know we're the ones that are there all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, the ones no offense there all the time. to you, wonderful doctors. <laughs> and the doctors are supposed to be the fixers, and the nurses right. are really supposed to be the caregivers. And so yep. I think it's more okay for a nurse to show that care that emotion, yeah. yeah, and the emotion um, than it is for the doctor. It's just supposed to not be okay. But, you know, we get, we're real people too that feel real emotions too. Yep. And to and bottle his, that up and hold that in is not healthy. And I think, you know, for Alexander, like his surgeon that did the surgery, he stayed in the room with us that like that whole time. Like I have a picture and I can see him mm -hmm. in the background. Like he didn't just walk away like, okay, whatever, like, I think it really had a profound effect on him and, mm -hmm. and Alexander's surgical surgeon from, from floating, Dr. Schwartz, he came to the wake and people said, you don't see that. Mm -hmm. Surgeons don't do that. No. You know? Um, so they always even one of his nurses who I kept in touch with, his nurse, Kathy, was like, no, is she, you know, Alexander had a profound impact. You know, he's one of those patients that you just don't forget. Mm -hmm. You know, um, because of you guys, because of the family and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, because the family too. And, and I know I've had, I mean, I've had 
so many patients over the years. They come, they go, but some there's those patients you just remember. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the family, maybe it was something they did um, that just have that profound impact on your life. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, you absolutely. I can just think of several in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, so we, you know, so we, we, we dealt with, you know, after he was gone, you know, you do the funeral thing and you do, you know, it's just that whole surreal thing. And one thing that we did um, after my dad died, my mom said, you know, I really wish we had had somebody tape, you know, tape on a cassette tape, because that was back then, 17 years ago, the funeral, because I don't remember what any, what the priest said. I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. So we did actually have somebody videotape mm-hmm. the funeral. Um, and for, it's not a very good video. The sound was horrible and stuff. Um, but when I did watch it, I said, wow, I didn't know that person was there. I didn't know that person was there. Oh, yeah. And now I could hear what the priest said, yeah. you know, uh, who was a good friend of ours. He actually baptized Alexander. He married us. He buried Alexander. You know, he's been involved in our lives for a very long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even before I met my husband, he was my friend. So, um, you know, because you're, it's such a daze. Mm-hmm. It's such a daze, those funerals. You're just like, I'm yeah, here Yeah, Andy's buried. funeral is, we got a copy of it and my husband actually put it on YouTube because so because the church was overflowing there yep. were people standing outside trying to listen in like they just had the doors of the church open so people could and I had friends tell me that they came and there was no place to go so mm. there was one woman that went to her own church and just prayed um, oh wow so he felt like he had to post that so people could see it but you're right i mean i basically i hardly remember anyone who was there i don't yeah there was somebody um who had been a bible study leader of mine who as we were walking back she reached out and grabbed my hand but that's like the only person honestly that i remember being there because it's all such a fog yeah all is and uh, when we met with my friend the day before the the day before the wake i think we were kind of talk about how we wanted the funeral to go he said now nancy you got to remember people are going to say a lot of stupid things mm-hmm. so i looked at him i said oh so can i hit them <laughs> he goes it's advisable not to <laughs> and uh so people did good people really didn't um do a lot of stupid things we, okay. at that point but one thing that was interesting so again me and my husband have a you know and my mom's we, we have this this weird sense of humor involving death and so when we picked the casket for Alexander, we could either have a full open casket or one that only opens halfway. So we went with the one that only opened halfway. So when we were getting ready to leave for the, to go to the church, we said, well, we need to open the bottom end. Can you take the flowers off? Because we need to open the other end because we have a few things. We got to put our socks on and what have you. And so they kind of looked at us funny and they said, okay, well, the reason it only opens halfway is because the other half is pink. So his half was blue and the oh. other half was pink. So it opened the opposite way. So we put his socks on and he ended up, he had his name band on still from the hospital. Oh. And we're like, oh, so what does that mean? So he gets up to heaven and St. Peter goes, name, date of birth. Okay, you can come in. <laughs> so we're laughing at this and we get in the car and we're telling my mother and my poor husband's mother, she didn't quite have the same crazy sense of humor we do. And she was just like, oh, why are you laughing? And yeah. So it kind of made her uncomfortable, but it, it really, honestly, it, it, it just helped us. It really did. It just, but a little, 
lightness to this horrible situation. You know, we're like, oh, he's in touch with his feminine side for all eternity now. And he has his name band on so he won't get lost. And um, those crazy things that you do, you know, out of, again, at these, these moments of grief. Oh, <laughs> my husband's sitting here. He goes, so one of my uh, grief support groups, someone was talking about she had a dream and how she was remembering packing up all the clothes that she had for her daughter for the funeral. And she said, oh my goodness, I didn't give any underwear. And I thought, I don't know if Alexander had a diaper rod. And again, these crazy things that she, that it doesn't matter, but I was like, she doesn't have a diaper. I don't know if he had a diaper on in the end. And oh, yeah. These crazy little things that you go like, through. Yeah, those weird thoughts that you think, why am I even thinking this right now? Exactly, exactly. like it doesn't matter if he had a diaper on or not. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, I know they asked for new underwear for Andy. And what's funny is I had just bought him new underwear. He just wanted boxers. Okay. And so he had worn them one day that those are what he died in. And then of yeah. course I had the rest of the package. So I gave yep. him another pair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but they wanted them. They wanted socks. They wanted underwear. And yeah. So uh, what, probably they put him in a diaper. Who knows? I guess. Yeah, I mean, who knows? And, and I'll say this. When we walked into the funeral home, the man said, I want you to know there's no charge for any of our services. And I looked at him thinking, well, does he know my mom? You know, does he know my father? And he said, no, we, we don't charge for babies. And, you know, they, they, it was a very minimal payment what we had to pay for the funeral. We, you know, we paid for their people and the limousines and, of course, the coffin and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just so blown away by that because I've had friends that, you know, they had to raise money for their children's funerals mm-hmm. and because they are so expensive, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just, you know, one of the many, you know, not obviously you don't say good things, but just blessing. Yeah. Blessing or, or luck. I, I hate, you know, I, I don't like the word blessings because I feel like I feel like luck because to me, like blessings in life, mm-hmm. like. I maybe was my friend more blessed than we were because their child lived and mine didn't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's and, true. And, that's true. and that's, it's, it's a different thing. You know, my faith in this whole thing was definitely shaken. I, mm-hmm. I still don't hundred percent know where I am with God. And I think, you know, God can take it and God understands. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so in that, I'm with in that you. respect, mm-hmm. it's like, life, life, you know, as you know, it's, it's life is funny and life is strange and, um, you know, being a bereaved parent, you know, it definitely changes you in so many ways. I mean, it makes me a different parent now. You know, we've had two girls after Alexander died. We had one, it was just over a year after Alexander died. Yeah. That we had our, we I had really our daughter. wanted to go into that and talk yeah. about that and how yeah. that process was. You know, it was hard because the whole pregnancy, I was nervous yes. that I was going to lose her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, at the time of his one year anniversary here, I am very pregnant. So that was a whole emotional struggle. You know, you throw that emotion on top of pregnancy hormones. Um, and it was a lot. And she was due after his birthday, but you know, she had her own plan too. And she came exactly one week before what would have been his third birthday. So that's always been a struggle for me now since Mm -hmm. that time. And I think too, because her age lined up with his age, right? So yep. like we, we had an ultrasound done on her just because at six months, mm-hmm. just to see if there was a tumor in there, mm-hmm. which makes you a little bit of a crazy parent, but our, our pediatrician was all on board with it. Mm-hmm. He was okay with that. And, um, you know, I really kind of, I, I look back and I know I didn't allow myself to really enjoy her until she got to the age Alexander was when he was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And once she made it past that age, I was okay. You oh, know, I, you know, but, but, but this still, you know, I have those moments now, like, you know, there's some days she has a cold and I'm like, ah, you know, suck it up, buttercup, you have a cold. And then there's other days she has a headache and I'm like, oh my gosh, she has a brain tumor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and usually I'll text my cancer mom friends like, hey, talk me down, talk me down, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, yeah, wouldn't it be great if we had an MRI machine in the backyard? Um, <laughs> but yeah. we, I have those moments, you know, and the funny thing is before she was born, we joked that um, we were either going to freak at every sniffle, you know, and be at the doctor's office every week. Or someday she'd break a bone and we'd go, eh, whatever. Yeah. And it does seem so we, like you're going to be extremes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. So we so we had our other daughter. So our other daughter, Elizabeth, so Julia's one and then Elizabeth. So Elizabeth has she has Down syndrome and mm-hmm. she had a hole in her heart. We found that out all prenatally. How did so that I how was that for you? Because I would imagine that, was, that would be really, really difficult. You know, it was. So both my husband actually used to work in a group home with individuals with special needs. I've done work with special needs. So mm-hmm. when we found out something was wrong with the baby, you know, uh, something abnormal, and we went, one of the possibilities was one of the either trisomy 18 or 13, which oh, is not yeah, usually are... compatible with life. Right. Well, you know, there's certainly stories that children have lived. I follow one boy, amazing story that he's freed out. And oh, that is really unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and his name is Alexander. So, oh, wow. but so we were driving home and my husband just looks at me, he goes, I don't want another angel. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't either, mm-hmm. you know? So that was certainly a difficult time for us yeah. to, to, to be facing this potential, mm-hmm. another potential loss. And, yeah. um, you know, and then we found she had this hole in her heart. So that's a whole nother thing. And mm-hmm. what are we going to deal with with that? So, she she too came on her own time two weeks early actually three hours after we left the house to the hospital um and we she was in boston for a week and then we moved her closer to home for a week and two days before she came home julia broke her leg oh and so literally i have one baby at one hospital i'm i went back to floating hospital alexander's hospital with her we we stopped me my mom stopped in to say hi to the nurses and Mm -hmm. they're like what are you doing here and we're like broken leg yeah. And honestly, at that point, it was like we said, broken leg. Eh, well, yeah, yeah, there's right. not a hole in her heart, you know? Right. Well, <laughs> it's not a hole in the heart. Okay. She's fine. Mm-hmm. So it was our, you know, and I really, at that point, we were just like, whatever, you know, because <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. There's nothing you, there's nothing we could do. And we just, so now I have a newborn with Down syndrome and a hole in her heart and mm-hmm. a 15 month old with a broken leg because mm-hmm. they're only 15 months apart. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, and, I just think that would have been uh, scary just to know that you're going to be involved with the medical system again, have to go through surgeries it, again, just those types of you know, things. Yeah. It, it, it was, and it, it, you know, it, it was, mm-hmm. but yet at the same time, I felt more prepared. Yeah. That's like true. we went in to meet, we went in to meet with the, um, cardiologist and we have, like this whole notebook already and they're like wow you're you're very organized i'm like not my first trip to down this road yeah um you know the the hard part though was that her the because the uh, children's hospital is one of the best hospitals in the country for hearts mm-hmm. we ended up going over there and that's the hospital alexander had died in yes and you know and again it wasn't our hospital so that 
was really hard for me mm -hmm. um, to have to go back into this hospital mm -hmm. with another child, to have to have heart surgery in the same hospital he died in. And um, that for me was particularly difficult yeah. to have to deal with that again. Going in for that, thankfully he was in a, she was in a different ICU than Alexander had been. So mm -hmm. that, that helped that me a little nice. bit. So they must have a cardiac ICU. Though? They do. They have a straight mm -hmm. cardiac ICU, That's which nice. is, is wonderful, but yet so sad to see all these babies there, you know, mm -hmm. all these, so many children, but, um, but that definitely helped me emotionally. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we packed up, you know, Alexander, he never went in for just a week in the hospital. Was, you know, we were ready, we were ready for a three week stay and she was in and out in a, one week. Wow. Open heart surgery. She did really well. Um, you know, when, when we first walked in to see her after the surgery, it, again, it was a shock. It, it wasn't a shock because she looked just like Alexander did after his big surgery. Yeah. So it was like, it was okay to any other normal parent would be shocked and crying. And I was like, okay, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is. It, it again, it, it helps that we knew what we, that. Yeah. Um, but one thing that was interesting was when we were waiting to go see her, there was another family kind of coming out and they had a box and it was the box that we had been given when Alexandra died. So I knew that they had just lost a child. And I so wanted to just go and give that mom a hug, mm -hmm. you know, like, I know why you have that box. I'm so very sorry for your loss. And, but you know, I, I was like, I have to focus on Elizabeth. I have to be here for her. Um, but then I just, I just thought about that mom and that mm -hmm. dad, and I knew what they were going to be going through the next days and weeks and months. Mm -hmm. And, oh, you know. I, I know what you mean there. I feel that every time I hear about someone dying I think about their mother I just do yep. it just that's where your heart goes because you know yep. what journey they're about to go down and what a hard hard journey it is yep mm -hmm. yeah so and I've definitely felt like I've you know people have reached out to me now you know like oh you know my friend just lost their baby or someone died you know what can I do to help mm -hmm. um you know and I don't I, I definitely don't believe things happen for a reason. I, I, I hate that phrase. I, I think it's terrible, but I definitely, I believe in making something good come out of something bad. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about that. I go to Compassionate Friends. I, that's where we, the group that I went to. And we talk about that a lot, you know, about how these horrible things happen to our children, but what can we do now to keep their memory alive or to help other people? Mm -hmm. You know, and something I heard a long time ago before even Compassionate Friends is, you know, we give hope. Hearing other people's experience gives you hope. Yes. That you, you can know, make it through. Mm -hmm. um, that you can make it through. Because it feels like you can't. It feels like it you does. Can't. You know, and it and and so many people they they shy away. They're like, I, I don't want to bother you or mm -hmm. I don't know what to say to Nancy. And I'm like, don't say anything. Just, Just come be in there just be there and like one of my friends uh so her son's just a few months older than alexander and mother's day after alexander had died um my husband was at work and she came over with her son and said hey let's go out for a walk let's just go for a walk and you know what it, it was hard but it was really good too mm -hmm. because she took me out of my house yes. so i wouldn't sit there by myself all day long feeling thinking sorry for myself and, and mm -hmm. thinking about what i didn't have because my first mother's day was spent in the hospital with Alexander. Wow. So one, one thing we have, you know, we started 
I, I helped Bacana Hospital start up and it was what we call, they ended up calling a caregiver's treasure chest. Because one day after Alexander had a really bad day and I was like, you know what, he needs a treasure chest prize because they didn't really do a lot. They didn't have a lot of stuff for the babies. And I said, well, where's the mommy treasure chest? Mommy needs a prize. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of, I kind of thought about that. And at one time I, I helped with a fundraiser and we collected gift cards. And I said, I don't want any useful gift cards. They all have to be fun, like Starbucks and McDonald's or, you know, there's a Dunkin' Donuts right in the hospital and Panera. And so we just collect gift cards and other people now do it throughout the year too. So, you know, cause if it's a mom, like we spent Mother's Day, Father's Day, my birthday, his birthday in the hospital, if they could just go up and be like, hey, it's your birthday, yeah. take a gift card for you. Or you've had a crappy day, have a gift card. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and my friend who actually now works there is the parent consultant. She said, people are just blown away now. Wait, I get a prize? I get to have something? You know, oh, and That's it's not wonderful. Just to you know, take care of people. You know, and we always say, like, you know, yes. And when when I've done collections, and I know other people have too, like, let's not do a supermarket gift card this time, or let's not do, you know, the grocery stores, uh, CVS, because yes, you need your shampoo and you need groceries, but sometimes, you know what? You just want that five dollar overpriced latte. Mm -hmm. but you're not going to buy that for yourself right. because you need groceries and you need shampoo and, and you need other things. Right. Um, but so if it's someone's going to give it to you, you're going to take it. Right. Exactly. Yep. You know, like one mom that I, I became friends with online, um, her son had neuroblastoma and stuff. And I, you know, I always said I wasn't going to follow kids anymore. And they, they just find me sometimes <laughs> people find me or my friends will be like, Oh, Nancy, my friend's sister's cousin's nephew was diagnosed with cancer. What can, can you help me to help them? And then I follow them and, and whatever. But like one mom, I said, okay, you can have this gift card, but you have to spend it on you. You know, <laughs> yeah. I want you to spend it on you. Go buy something for yourself that you don't need. It. Yeah. Um, Cause that's you know, hard to we, do as a mom, especially a mom it is. For, um, uh, of a ill child. Exactly. You know, and then we send, um, again, this particular unit is just so beautiful. And they have a small kitchenette. So now I started sending snacks every month. Uh -huh. and uh for the parents to have because you know at three in the morning sometimes you want a snack but you don't have that money for the vending machine and you know it's a hospital so they put healthy things on the vending machines and um and we we always just send that and stuff and i always send chocolate because you need chocolate and there's another family that supplies coffee we had one family um they asked us for a wish list once when we were in the hospital i'm like how about a keurig you know because not everyone drinks coffee and there's only five of us here and so they donated a keurig and now other people stock the curing up mm -hmm. and stuff. So they have that going and stuff. Um, well, so again, it it's just like those you've little... done a lot to help. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, I try, I like to, and then I, people are like, oh, do you have a foundation? I'm like, no, like just, it's just my thing. I just like to do and, um, you yeah, know. you don't um, need to. You don't need to have a big foundation. You don't need to do big things. You can, no. the little things and are so important and so key. It, you know, my mom set up a fund too for the hospital. They uh, and she she called it the Alexander the Great Fund. Mm -hmm. So my mom was so amazing. I mean, she was there almost every day we were in the hospital, and Alexander was there 247 days as an inpatient, not not straight, but you know, throughout the whole the whole journey. And she calculated out that she probably paid fifteen hundred dollars just in parking, <laughs> and our parking was covered. We had a, a wonderful fund of a child from a child that died in the seventies who paid for all of our parking. Mm -hmm. And so she said, you know what, I can afford that, but I want, most people can't afford that. 
you know, so she set up a fund that helps the grandparents or the aunts and the uncles or someone that pays that helps the family. So it's for the extended family support mm -hmm. because there were so many funds that helped us. But there are those grandparents that maybe want to be there or you need to fly them up because they live in Texas, but you're in Boston. So this fund actually will fly a grandparent to Boston to stay with a family. Wow. Um, you know, it'll pay for a hotel room. It pays for parking vouchers, again, for the families that are there all the time. Yeah. The ones that really provide that extra support. Um, and again, they've said, you know, people are just amazed by that because they're like, oh, I want my mother to come, but we can't afford a plane ticket. They're like, oh, we, we have a fund for that. Mm -hmm. You know, we can pay for that. It, they told us once there was a boy, his dying wish was to see his grandparents. So they were able to bring his grandparents out to yeah. support that. That's awesome. Um, you know, and what so, a blessing for those grandparents to be able to see him right. All the time. You know, so mm -hmm. all these, you know, so again, those, and it's those little things. You know, people think, well, what what difference can I make? You know, I don't have a lot of money. I can't, I can't cure cancer, and I can't do that. I said, no, but you you could donate a five dollar gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. That's mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. You know, it maybe is. you it could not. To people. You know, maybe you could not go to Dunkin' Donuts for this week. Instead, give your Dunkin' Donuts money, you know, to to the families at the hospital for one week and because it was we, we used to get two Dunkin Donuts gift cards a week from this Sophia's fund mm -hmm. and um, they provided us that and there was a Dunkin Donuts in the hospital so that was very helpful to us um, you're probably not helpful for the fries but very helpful still well you know I know this wasn't the case with you because he was your first child but I think a lot about siblings too and yep. um, if you could do something to be able to help those siblings. I'm thinking about Thanks. siblings a lot this week because it's um, this is the end of uh, National Grieving Children's Week. So Yes, I saw that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, anyway, if you could do something to help those siblings, that's huge. Because I feel like they try to just be in the background and be good and not not take the focus away from the their sick brother or sister. But right. they need to have some fun, too, and do some frivolous they, things, too. Right. And and they are. And they miss their parents so much. Like yes. The first family we met, they were from, like, way up in Maine, like, seven hours away. And she had a 10-year-old and, like, a newborn at home. And, like, you have to make these choices to, to leave your children to take care of this other child. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. And I mean, that was, we were so lucky, like he, cause he was our only child. So we didn't have to worry about other children. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were, we were very grateful for that, that we could focus just on him because I, um, you know, and there are a lot of groups that do help. Mm -hmm. uh, the our hospital did a lot. They, they would do stuff for siblings. They made sure, you know, they would get toys and stuff too, or um, they, Maybe the hospital had a big, very big connection with the uh, Boston Bruins from the Kim Neely. He's the president oh. now of the Boston Bruins. So they would often get hockey tickets and stuff and but to like good hockey tickets to like the suites and stuff. So they would invite the parents and the siblings like if the kid couldn't go or so they did That's do special. a lot for that. That's yeah. So that was that was very special to um and, and all the sports teams in Boston are so great. They really are about helping out. Um, the Red Sox are affiliated with Boston Children's Hospital and like that our floating had a lot with the Bruins and stuff. Um, they came to see us once and Alexander was in a procedure that day. So we got to meet them. He didn't. But, um, you know, but they're so they're so wonderful. There's so many generous people. There really are different groups that help out. 
Um, you know, a lot, a lot of groups, of course, help at Christmas, but there are other groups that just help throughout the year, too, mm -hmm. um, to make this horrible time just a little easier. Yeah, because it is a horrible time. It is. You're, you're coming into your second year, right? Uh, well, yeah, I'm starting. I'm just kind of starting the second year. Yeah. Second year. So everyone told me the second year is worse than the first and I didn't believe mm -hmm. them. And it was <laughs> just to prep you yeah. for that. You know, I know people said that like, oh, no, but it, because it's like the 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 numbness mm -hmm. is gone and now you have to face the reality. Yeah, I saw somebody but, yesterday and um, uh, and he said, well, this Christmas should be better than last Christmas and this Thanksgiving should be better than last Thanksgiving. And I said, eh, I don't really think so, actually. I said last Thanksgiving, I kind of totally ignored everything. And this one, we're trying yep. to do a few of the things a little more normal. So I actually think it's going to be worse. But, you know, maybe it won't yep. be. Maybe you're going to be totally right. But, it, you know, every year is definitely different. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's hard for me because I'm trying to, you know, obviously I have to be so happy for the girls. But yeah. it's still so hard. And like two years, not this past Easter, but the year before, Easter fell on his anniversary. Oh, yeah. So that was really yeah, hard yeah. for me. Because Easter was Andy's year. birthday. And that was the first birthday so, without him. He would have been 15 on oh, Easter Sunday. Ugh. That was crazy bad. So, Although my pastor did point out um, one blessing, sort of. I shouldn't say blessing because you don't like that word. But that's okay. But, um, one thing that he uh, that he got to have his first heavenly birthday on the day that's the reason he's in heaven. So, I mean, that was mm. kind of a cool way to think about it. I. It helped yeah. me a little bit when I was like a mess. It, I actually left the middle of the church service on Easter Sunday and threw up in the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, it was, oh, it was not good. You know, and I think a lot of the times it's, you, you tell yourself what you need to tell yourself to get through yeah, the day. Yeah. And I think I told myself you know? that just to try to have a little bit of a bright side on the whole thing, but right. yeah, it's tough. You know, and you do, and, and again, you do, it, different people do different things and it, what works for them um you know for us for his anniversary i try to i like to go away for the day mm -hmm. or around that time like this year we went down the cave for a day one year we went to great wolf lodge um most of the days i'd rather just haul up in my bed under the covers and do mm -hmm. nothing um and i definitely find the days leading up to the the anniversaries or birthdays are harder than the day themselves yes. uh this year i ended up in the er before his birthday oh. Over and I think I ended up. I was a massive panic attack looking mm -hmm. back. Uh, although I ended up, I got worked up by cardiology and I ended up I have minor mitral valve float lapse. So there uh -huh. you go. Um, but I really think it was probably I was so anxious because it was his tenth birthday this year and I didn't know what I wanted to do and I wanted to make it special and how can I make ten special and he should be in fifth grade and I think it was all built up in me. And, yeah. You know what led me to the air. What instead. about uh, with your girls because they never knew their brother. So what's that? Right. Like? So that's different. So we talk about him. He has his pictures all the time. We tell him that I, I tell Julia and Elizabeth this whole story of how he picked him from the soul room for us. And God called Alexander to the soul room. And Alexander, you need to pick a new soul for mommy and daddy. Uh -huh. And then, you know, to explain Elizabeth, I was like, oh, well, she had extra glitter. And Julia's like, I want glitter. Why does she get extra glitter? I want extra glitter. Oh. <laughs> so I used to say, you know, and I was like, well, you know, God's people you know, those souls are really special, but they're, they might be difficult. Oh God, my parents can handle anything. You don't worry about them. And this soul needs to go to, you know, Elizabeth needs to go to, to mommy and daddy. 
But Julia will say things like, I miss Alexander Mock and I wish I knew him and I'm sad that I don't know him. Um, So that makes it, you know, that that makes me feel sad sometimes too when she's saying, I miss Alexander and I wish I knew him. And um, because then she starts crying. I'm like, oh, don't cry, honey, it's okay. um, But in kindergarten, she was, you know, I, I prep her teachers like, hey, this is our life and this is our story. So the kindergarten teacher said, yeah, one day she's like, heard the kids saying, you don't have a brother babies don't die. You don't have a brother. And she's like, oh, hello, everyone. Yep. Sometimes kids do die. Julie, yes, had a brother and he died. Okay, now. Well, and that's hard, too, at that age. I know I went back to work, you you know, know. a few weeks ago, and one of the first patients I saw was like, Dr. Larson, why were you away so long? And I said, oh, I just had to be home with my family. Why did you have to be home with your family? And I'm thinking, Uh, I'm not telling a six-year-old that I was home with my right. family because my son died. Because then I'm right. opening an entire can of worms for her mother to have to deal with. Exactly. So I just you said, know? I just had to stay home with my family. Those are really pretty earrings. And, you know, <laughs> and then that might change the subject. The subject. So it, it seemed to work pretty well. You know, and I know like the first time I was out with Julia, she's down at McDonald's getting an ice cream. And I have her and me and my mom are sitting there and this lady came over from, you know, oh, so is that your first? And I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And my mom later tells me she was really kind of upset by that. And, and I am, um, and I understand, but you know, there were days I'm like, I was out with Elizabeth once. Oh, it's just your first. Yes. <laughs> because I just didn't feel like dealing yeah. with it. Because you're a stranger. I don't need to tell you my life story. And there were other times I'm like, oh, no, I have three. And sometimes I just leave it at that. And if they press, I'm just even... You know, oh, yeah, I have a three, I have a 10 year old, you know, you don't, because again, they're strangers on the street and never going to see these people yeah. again. But then like I was at, when I was taking a break from nursing and I was working at a supermarket and one of my regulars came in and we were talking and she said, oh, is Julia your oldest? And I was like, well, kind of. And I said, I have a son, but he, he passed away. And she's like, I did too. Mm. And he was, her son was stillborn. I said, what was his name? And she looked at me like no one had ever asked her that before. And she told me his name was Christopher. And like, that's a beautiful name, you know? So, cause it wasn't, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a bakery. I'm a customer. You know, I'm not going to tell my life story to customers, but in that moment, it, it was yeah. right. Yeah. You know, it was the right moment and it was beautiful. You know, we both had those beautiful moments and, um, yeah. Well, that was good that you, you know, were able so to it- do that. It's hard for me. I know because when I'm asked, I pretty much always say three and then they ask how old he is and then i tear up i just do and i dread the question because i know it's coming because that's what women do they always ask how many kids do you have you have kids how many kids you have well that yeah well like when i started my new job people you know try to get to like oh i'm like oh i have a son that passed away he would be uh okay i'd have to stop stop a conversation and uh, and And then they're like some people will ask me more and then you think you think i never should have asked that question and yeah and then some people and the one woman at work she's like oh but you should focus on your um, this was recently oh focus on the two you have and you know i just kind of ignored it but later it was like i should have been like oh and so if one of your kids died you're not going to talk about them anymore right oh i know <laughs> i know but and people you know they people like the priest said people say stupid things and they they're trying to do it either to make themselves feel better and mm-hmm. you know and that's one nice thing with my 
my residents that are confused. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I have three. There are two boys and a girl. There are two girls and a boy. And I, I don't tell them the whole story. If they're cognitive, I'll tell them the whole story. But if I know they're going to forget it in a day. Well, right. Because then you don't want to go into it again. There's no reason to do again, it Again, every day. You give yourself I, did, I gave a one woman. She asked me like five minutes after we just had the conversation. Oh, and how many kids do you have? I'm like, okay, yeah. Whatever. Go away. You know, so, but then I'll tell their family. You know, sometimes I talk to the families about it. And then, like I said, and then I'll have this moment, oh, like, oh, mom, you know, she lost another child. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're the only child? They're like, oh, no, she, I had a brother, but he died, and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, so I can tell them. Yeah. It does open things yes. up when you are willing to be open and vulnerable a little bit. Yeah, but then, um, you know, and then, you know, I used to, like, I belong to this mom's group, and they ended up being horrible people mostly in there, but it's like, I have the... The, the dead child on one side, I have the special needs child on the other side. You know, who wants to be friends with Nancy? Because they might catch one of them. Oh. <laughs> so it was definitely weird. You know, it was, it's it's hard being a new um, a, a mom and having kids that are um, different mm-hmm. and a child that had died because people don't want to. Yeah, and people don't want to understand that. They don't understand and they get nervous mm-hmm. by it. And then they think. If this could happen to um, me, it could happen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, take it on a little bit. And then there's, of course, those times where you're filling out paperwork and they're like, oh, and how many children? What are your children's ages? And I'm like, uh huh. I know. Okay. What do you and say like that? school stuff. I, I write in. I say, you know, seven, six, and forever 21 months old. Yeah, that's a nice way to do it. And they, yeah. I know you Catherine know? is having to apply to college and they don't, they have a box that you can put for your parents being deceased, but they do not have a box for you to check that your siblings are deceased. You just have to say yep. how old they are and how much education they have. It's, it's yep. crazy. I mean, I, it's, wouldn't be that hard to add one more box. I mean, it really wouldn't. Exactly. You know, and I was doing the, um, what do you call the cancer screening? Cause I was having my mammogram and they're like, Oh, you know who, who in your family has cancer and this and that, and they didn't have less than one to pick as an age that they were diagnosed at. Really? They didn't have less than one. It was like one, two, you know, and there was no place to write it in because it was just a mm-hmm. click off, you know, age this to this, age this to this. There was nothing for less than one. And um, at church one Sunday, I had, uh, there was another couple at the church I was going to at the time that I met through the Compassionate Friends and they lost, their, their adult son had died. And they're like, and let's play, you know, for the widows and, you know, those that lost their spouses and those that lost their parents. And let's pray for the, you know, war in Europe or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, you know, we, we went up and I, I talked to the priest later. I'm like, you missed somebody there. And he's like, oh, they, they picked these things from a book and it's all the whatever's it's planned out. You know, they just random things that they pick. I'm like, well, you need to tell them they need to pray for the parents. Yeah. You know, that lost their, that lost their children. But again, it's that no one wants no. to think about. No, no. To talk about it. And, and the person that wrote that um, book just didn't think about it. They didn't think right. that that's something that happened. <laughs> right. You know, and it, it is. It's, it, but it's some churches I know, like, I think I, that was hard. Like, it, the first Sunday for Mother's Day going to church, I'm like, I can't go to church on Mother's Day because they're going to ask all the mothers to stand uh-huh. up. After Alexander died, how do I do yeah. that? I'm still a mother. Right. But yet, I mean, that's the hardest thing, losing your first child, person yeah. only. Yeah. It's. And I know that's how, like, when I had, like, a miscarriage, too, you know, it's just like, am I still a mother? You know, and, um, yeah, that, that was definitely a hard thing after Alex, because, like, well, am I a mother still? I don't have a child, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? You know, they have groups for motherless 
mothers, but do they have groups for motherless, yeah. you know, childless mothers? No, not really. Because <laughs> you just you know, don't it's, think about it's, it. You know, and I have, there's a few people we, we've met that lost their one and only. And one of my good friends, she lost her one and only, and she was single. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that's a whole nother, you know, she was divorced, and that's a whole nother. Yeah. Well, but although oddly, her therapist told her, no, you shouldn't go to like grief support groups or something. It'll only make you feel worse. Really? I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like you need a new therapist. Totally. <laughs> like you need to come, like you need to come to Camp Sunshine because we go to this camp um, and it's parents who've lost a child to cancer mostly, but you know, four bereaved parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you need to come to Camp Sunshine someday. Oh no, I wouldn't. I'm like people go without their, you know, we went without, we didn't have a child. Well, I was pregnant at the time, but you know, we didn't go with Alexander and or another siblings at that point. And, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but she's definitely, I mean, she's, she's coming up on five years now and she's, I mean, everyone struggles in their own way, but she's one of those that she's still not ready to get that extra help, I guess, yeah. you know? And I'm like, you gotta, yeah. You know what? You gotta, I, you gotta meet people that understand. I talked to a, she a grandma who's, you know, so she lost her daughter and her daughter's son goes to a therapist and apparently the therapist told them to think all the bad things that your mom did. <laughs> like, what? What like what kind of therapist says that? Think about right. the bad stuff so yeah. you don't miss her as much. Like, that's crazy. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is not a good therapist. But No. Yeah. I mean, my poor friend, she thinks she's so alone. She's like, I'm alone, no one understands. I'm like, you're not, you're not alone, Jack. No. You're not. You may feel you're alone, and yes, it is your grief, and it's only your grief, but you're not alone. There's many of us, and there's our friends from the hospital. I mean, she knew other kids from the hospital, too. Like, there's, you know, you, we met our, these are my best friends. They're my family now, and we all met at the hospital, and I'm like, you know, Michelle's the same. You know, Michelle lost her son. She lost a twin, you know. There's Sheila. There's all these other people. You are not alone. Um, but she still feels so, you know, I'm sure not being married, you know, that's a big part well, of it too. Well, Gwen talked about one time she had a support group and a mom came and they lost, she lost her one and only child. And she said, I don't, I don't think I can come here. There won't be anyone else like me. Everyone has other kids. And like literally the next day or two days later, another mom came who lost their only child. And so they were in, they happened to be in that support group then together. So it ended up working out yep. so well because I think they both felt totally alone because it is more unusual for sure. It is, you know, in my group, my, my friends, uh, he wants to write a book called stupid shit. People say when your kid does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I've read very like I really haven't heard that many bad things, you know, just the, Oh, things happen for a reason. He's in a better place. Yeah. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. But like one woman, so she had two daughters and one died, and she said someone actually said to her, "Well, maybe you should have had three kids." Ah. <laughs> so her daughter wouldn't be alone anymore. Wait. <laughs> yeah, that's like the phlebotomist that told Peter and I, "Well, you got to look on the bright side." Like what? <laughs> what bright side? His brother died. My son died in a car accident. There isn't a bright side to that. What's the bright side? I guess that he lived right. and I lived. I don't know. Right. That was just such it's a stupid positive. thing. I'm sure she, oh, I'm yeah, sure yeah. she I mean, must this... have thought after she said it, like, what was I like, saying? What, what was I thinking? But I didn't call <laughs> her out on it because I'm just looking at her like, that? Really? You just said that to me? 
Well, I was on the phone once with somebody and um, it's, that was an insurance thing, you know, working on insurance uh-huh. stuff. And he's like, oh, it's this and that, and that could be expensive. You know, it, it costs this or maybe your first kid. I'm like, well, my first kid's dead, so that won't help you. <laughs> <laughs> I said it just like that. And he's like, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> he didn't know what to look like. I'm sorry. I, I know. Well, that's like me talking to the Michigan Blood called. Michigan Blood called and said, how are you today? And I said, terrible. And, and they said, oh, why is that? And I thought, that's a stupid thing to ask. And I said, my son is dead. And I hung up the phone. And then my girlfriend and I just started laughing hysterically because right. I mean, what did she do to deserve that? Nothing, but. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the moms in my, my group at the Compassionate Friends, she actually said, she said that she was in the supermarket and someone just casually was like, oh, how are you today? You know, just random like person in line with her. She's like, my daughter died. <laughs> You're just like, uh, okay then. Yeah, they have no idea what to say. And you're like, that's probably, I didn't need to go there, but you know. Right. Well, that's why I like the terrible thing for asking. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one really ever wants you. No, they don't want that. No. I mean, you really don't want to know how you're doing. They're just like being polite. Or whatever. That like, is oh, the vast majority of people just want to be polite. But but then no, sometimes but then you I have do, people and I... that, that don't just want to be polite and they really do want to know. So. Well, that was my cousin that we were walking into the funeral, uh, no, the memorial, sir, the one year mm-hmm. mass after Alexander had died. And she's pregnant too. Was, we were both, you know, pregnant now. And, and she's like, how are you doing, Nancy? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm like, really, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm fine. And I really was fine. And, you know, two days later, I was a mess, but I'm like, fine. She's like, really? I'm like, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to yeah. get you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I said that as we're walking into church. Yeah. She's like, okay then. Yep, I guess you're fine right like, now. Because, because really, in that I moment, was I was actually, yeah. oh, I was actually okay in that moment, and I was having an okay day, even though it was the anniversary that he died. And well, I'm and the big okay thing with right that, now. like you said, is a lot of times it's better than what you imagined it would be because you're dreading it, dreading it, dreading yeah. it, and then it's like, well, okay, I guess I can get through this. Because we had a little service yeah. too for Andy, and. And then I was kind of okay through the day until it got to the exact time. And then I kind of freaked, but. That my husband's had that a couple of times. Like he has woken up like at three in the morning or four in the morning like when he started crashing or when things went downhill and just start having this horrible time. And, and um, yeah, I'm glad you've had, I haven't listened to the new one with the dad to have dads on because it's so different mm-hmm. for dads, you know, mm-hmm. and, that was I was that that took me a while to understand like why isn't he grieving the way I'm yeah. grieving? You know, that men and women really grieve differently. Mm-hmm. And and it works though because then he has his down you know, in the beginning more he would have his down days that I was having a good day. So I could kind of support him through his mm-hmm. bad day and he could support me or whatever through my bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is nice to know, be able to have certain... each other even though you grieve differently. Because you do have to kind of understand that try to understand that yeah yeah and it's i remember someone that we a family a kind of distant family who said anyways and they she lost her daughter and husband to an avalanche wow crazy thing and she's like the tears never stopped and it had been like 20 years and then one of my residents in the assisted living so he was a funeral home director so i was talking to him about alexander and how they just did such a nice job and he said i lost a child too when he was three and this man's like 86 and you could see tear, I could see tears in his eyes mm-hmm. thinking about 
his son that had died so many years before. And that it kind of made me feel good in this a weird way because I was like, okay, I won't ever forget Alex. Yeah, because that is a fear. I won't ever forget That's him. a fear. You know, It's a fear that others will forget him. And I know for me, it was a fear that if I started to feel a little bit better and let go of a little bit of my grief, was that meaning I was forgetting him? Would I? Yes. So That comes up a lot in like the compassionate friends and that, you know, there's going to be a day that you realize like you haven't cried the whole day mm-hmm. and then you'll cry because you haven't cried the whole day, you know, <laughs> and then, or that you laugh at something, you know, you, you hear something funny on the radio and you laugh mm-hmm. and you're like, I should be laughing. Yeah. You know, I remember when I first went back to work, I was working in a nursing home just per diem and I, I made it, I was able to focus on my work and I got through my day, but then every day I can remember leaving that at night and be like, why am I here? My kid is yeah. dead. How can I be at work? How can I be at work? Mm-hmm. My kid mm-hmm. is dead. You know, and I would think that. I, I, that would you go know, through that was my only... head a lot too. It, and it was almost like it kept going through my head so I would believe it because I didn't feel like right. I really believed it. So I would say, Andy is dead. Andy is dead. What are you doing? Yeah. Andy is dead. Like all the time. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's why, you know, work is, is good for me too because it does help me to take 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 my mind off it you know which is terrible but it's it's because then i I can focus on my work and i don't focus on my sadness because i if i you know i'm a nurse if i don't focus on the right thing i could kill somebody you know give someone the wrong meds or whatever but um it does it's like it it helps me to focus well and that's why i think it was helpful for eric to go back because he didn't he didn't have to see kids for quite a while they really protected him from that and didn't have him see children but for me it was just such a painful reminder every time i saw kids because that's all i do right um yeah and and again and being i mean i work with the it's different you know because i'm with the older people but it's still you know there's sometimes Mm -hmm, those moments i you know someone's like oh can you do this i'm like no but i can drop an ng tube on your eight month old if you need to (laughs) you know or (laughs) I can hang CPM to my, you know, I can flush essential line like it's no one's business and I can do this and I can do these things that I really shouldn't know how to do because I'm a geriatric nurse, but I could do that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, um, and I have a lot of friends that are just moms and have no medical background and they could do all that kind of stuff too, you know? My friend right. Stephanie said she basically had a peds ICU in her house, you know? Life is funny and life is sad and life, we just do what we have to do, um, you know, to go th- to, to make it through the day. And, you know, again, I have to, some days I, even one of my, my daughter's friends, mom said something about, I said, yeah, I think I make people uncomfortable or whatever. She's like, well, maybe if she didn't talk about Alexander right off the bat. And, and this one was an OT too. Well, like she was, you know, and I'm like, oh, but he's my son. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, well, and he's always whatever. So you just, you know, it's not fair to you to have him be a forbidden subject when he's on your. Although one of Julia's friends' mom works at Boston Children's, and I was like, oh, you don't happen to know this nurse, do you? And I said, oh, he was my son's nurse. She's like, oh, I didn't know he had a son too. And I'm like, and tomorrow this all over text messaging, and and, she, and I'm like, oh yeah, well he died there. No, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes people don't think about that as a possibility. Yeah. But but she's a cardi, you know, she's an ICU nurse, pediatric ICU nurse, but still, yeah. Yeah, they don't. But still. It's too close to, yeah, I mean, even though that's what she does all day, it's Mm -hmm. still, Mm -hmm. 
don't want to think about that happening to your child. No. Or to somebody that you huh. know. Well, I want to thank you for talking with me today. It's been a great conversation. I've learned a lot and I thank think you. Can teach a lot to people, um, not just dealing with parents who are grieving, but parents who are going through that complex medical process and uh, yes. Yeah. And just all the struggles that go along with that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.